0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The story I'm about to share with you is not actually a story about definitions regarding anti-Semitism. It's not. It's a story of whether or not having a supermajority in the state of Indiana has any value for those of us on the political right. What is the value of of a supermajority, and then maybe as a follow-up, what is the value of any elected official who simply cannot withstand the pressure? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on, everybody? Find everything I'm doing over at TonyKatz.com. The story here is about legislation to create a definition for anti-Semitism. Now, I get that there are people out there. I've gotten this my whole career. Oh, Tony, all you do is talk about Jewish this and Jewish that. Because you're Jewish, you got nothing else to talk about. And my answer, just for the sake of clarity, has always been go to hell and let me tell you what I think about your mother. I talk about the border. I talk about China. I talk about cigars. I talk about a host of things. I talk about economics. We have a panoply of, of things to discuss. But when Israel gets attacked by Hamas... When I have people like Indiana Congressman Andre Carson, a supporter of Louis Farrakhan, supporting people like Jew-hater Rashida Tlaib, who won't vote against rape being used as a weapon of war, maybe it's a subject that has to be discussed in my religion notwithstanding and has to be discussed. When I tell you that I don't give a damn about those people, I don't. I discuss the things... And I'm paid to discuss the things that that I, I, I think matter and I think matter to us. And you've heard me discuss what's going on in Israel about how it affects us here in the United States, how it affects us culturally, how it affects indeed the southern border and those crossing the southern border and how the people who want Israel to be destroyed clearly want to destroy your family. They want your family gone. It's an attack on America. It's an attack on Western civilization. It's an attack on decency. From beginning to end, these people who will not call on Hamas to surrender, but only want Israel to stop, want Israel to be destroyed, and they will always tell you why you have to stop and the other person has some rights. They really do hate you. And these Hamas supporters... I mean, it's gross that they're everywhere, including college campuses. Now there is some legislation in the state of Indiana about college campuses and whether or not it's called Senate Bill Two Hundred Two, and whether or not this is somehow preventing people from speaking freely. This is this is about trying to stifle uh, professors and others. It's 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 an uh, fr- infringement on free speech. It is a piece of legislation put forth by Spencer Deary out of West Lafayette. And it's about ensuring intellectual diversity. And you say to yourself, they did not just use the term intellectual diversity, did they? But the argument is, if we're going to worry about diversity of all these things, why not worry about and focus on diversity of thought? Are you allowed to have diversity of thought? on a a college campus, are you allowed to have diversity and say, you know what, Israel's right and Hamas is a terrorist organization? Or do you get vilified for that? Do you get destroyed for that? Do you, you saw at Harvard University, you had a professor, black professor, who took a look at the data out of of Houston about police-involved shootings. And what the data found was While police, in dealing with black or Hispanic suspects, there was more physical acts, a push-up against a car, more physical acts in engaging in, in an arrest than with white suspects. There were not more shootings. As a matter of fact, police were less likely to shoot a black suspect or a Hispanic suspect over a white suspect. And this professor was told not to publish. Don't share this. He was told that he was full of you know what? People didn't even read the studies. They just didn't like what it said because they believe that what they believe is data, not that data is 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 data. And he got suspended. Did he get suspended or he get terminated? Uh, yeah, it was it was by uh, Claudine Gay. That's right. The plagiarism queen of Harvard, Claudine Gay was throwing other black professors under the bus because the data said something she didn't like. So therefore, no intellectual diversity allowed. State Senator Spencer Deary is like, we should have this, we should make sure that uh, students who have a minority point of view are allowed to speak their point of view. And this brings in a state representative by the name of Matt Pierce, who's very upset with Republicans, how dare you look at a study from FIRE, Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression? What's wrong with, with 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 FIRE? And he actually stated, did Democrat Matt Pierce, people are getting sucked into this impression that somehow there are all these crazy leftist professors indoctrinating all the kids. Quote, nothing could be further from the truth, unquote. Guy actually said that out loud. Out loud, I mean, that's just embarrassing. That is, a, again, a conversation about not paying attention to the data, not paying attention to what it is we are seeing with our own eyes. What we see with our own eyes is that people who are on the political right You're allowed to yell at them, scream at them. You're allowed to uh, uh, scare them off of campuses. You're allowed to physically attack them. Oh, hi, Riley Gaines. You're allowed to do that. No problem. College students who poll after poll, they think it's okay to do this. This is standing up for free speech. You've got law students who believe that not everybody deserves a defense. They don't believe in the American way of life at all. They certainly don't believe in the concepts of civility, and not as, as someone you know might say it in terms of please and thank you, but rather as Edward Schills would describe it, and whether or not there is a tyranny looking to kill the minority opinion and those who would voice it. So we, we have to be honest with each other, and clearly Representative Pierce is out of his head here. He, I, I wholeheartedly disagree. I would invite him on the show, and I do. I invite him on the show to discuss this. But we, we can't move on. We can't move forward if we don't accept the fact that on the political right, you are silenced, whether you are a student, whether you're a professor, you live in more fear, period. To the extent that anybody lives in fear at all. To this end, we take a look at this legislation regarding anti-Semitism. This legislation was to define what anti-Semitism is. Uh, in public education institutions. Now, this was a definition that was put forth by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. I opposed the legislation. You might ask me why. Why would I be opposed to the legislation? My opposition comes from the same opposition I have regarding hate crimes legislation. I oppose hate crimes legislation. A crime committed against me because of my religion is not worse than a crime committed against you that is not because of your religion. If I am mugged and you are mugged, it is not more of a crime against me because of my religion or my sex or my sexual orientation or or, or, or my race. It simply cannot be. that The idea that we would create these subset groups Oh, yes, stealing is a crime, but if you steal from somebody who's black, that's a double crime. What kind of Orwellian insanity is this? I want no part of it. In the same exact way regarding hate crimes, I opposed Rifra when it happened, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. I opposed it from the beginning. I understood the mathematics of the people who wanted it. We need to ensure that people have protections for engaging in their religious beliefs and they should not be ostracized or destroyed or demonized because of it. I get their argument. My argument is I'm covered by the Constitution of the United States. I am not a special flower. I'm good. Thank you. That's been, that has always been my argument. It was my argument when Riffer came out. It is still my argument today. That was my same argument in being opposed to the idea of a definition of anti-Semitism. Now, the argument for it is actually one that you could you could easily digest. And if you're sitting uh, you know, at the bar stool or you're sitting later uh, tonight with a drink, talking to your family, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it. We argue that words have meaning, right? Words mean things. Well, shouldn't we all have some definition that we can all agree to that is the baseline so when we're discussing a subject, we all know what we're talking about? So in this situation, to define anti-Semitism on a state level is to be able to work from a baseline. Now, that's a a very good argument, right? That's a super good argument. Now, arguments can be made of, well, what about about this? What about this thing? What about we got a definition for this and a definition for that and a definition for the other? That's exactly what came up everybody's saying, well, we need a definition for this and a definition for that and a definition from the other thing and a definition for your mother. And we can't just have this definition. We need a definition. We should really have a definition against all hate. While those arguments are actually interesting arguments, what they are meant to do is blunt the focus of the original argument. And the original argument is, we're talking in this situation about anti-Semitism. Why can't we defend it? Or I should say, define it. Why can't we define it? It is not uh, acceptable to say, well, we can't just vote on that. We have to vote on all these things. Go vote on those things if you want to vote on those things. But that shouldn't mean that you don't vote on this thing. And that's been the argument. Again, I state for the record that I opposed it. I started this conversation talking about what's the value of a supermajority. What's the value of this Republican Party? As it turns out, there's been a change made to the definition. This change is now leading to Jews saying, I don't support this at all. They changed the definition to remove the mention of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance And it's examples of anti-Semitism. So the bill now states anti-Semitism as, and I'm quoting here, a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. So what they did was say, here is this legislation. Here is this definition of anti-Semitism a definition written up by this group that has been accepted in many other states and we use this as a baseline and because of the opposition, which is really an opposition to the ideas that we even recognize anti-Semitism because they're totally fine with it, the General Assembly said, let's pretend this never happened, whitewash the thing, but still pretend like we're doing some good. What's the value of a supermajority? What's the value of this Republican Party? I oppose the legislation based on the merits of the idea and wh- how, it, how it leads itself to the idea of hate crimes. If you do this definition, you will get yourself into the idea of hate crimes and I oppose hate crimes. So I v- vocalize it that way. The people discussing a definition have a solid, solid point and it can't be denied. So, okay, more people went with that than with my idea. Fine, they're going to push it. Now, because so many progressives and others don't actually want to have to admit or put upon those university administrators and professors and those serious amount of Jew haters out there, no matter what Representative Pierce wants to think for himself, They don't want to have to put on them some level of, well, these definitions might prevent you from speaking freely. They put so much pressure on the General Assembly, they say, you know what, we were gonna do this thing, but we'll only pretend to do this thing, and we'll erase, erase, erase anything that would have provided the teeth or a real comprehensive level of definition. You blanking cowards. You didn't take my position about how it led a slippery slope to hate crimes legislation. No, you were all for it until you realized that somebody in the college set might get a bit upset or some progressive might get a little bit angry, and then you folded. You blanking cowards. Holy crap. And by the way, if you're a member uh, of the General Assembly uh, involved in this, I'm talking about you find me on a street corner i'll tell you what i think you want to you want to set an appointment yeah tony at tonycats.com let's set an appointment i'll tell you what i think you unbelievable cowards good lord according to representative jeter of fishers chris jeter we made some changes to try and ensure that we're not referencing outside entities, but that we're making the definition our own in the code. And the bill really tries to strike a balance of not impeding on any free speech, but just saying we fund state education. We want that education to reflect our values as a body. Coward! Pick the street corner. Fishers, I don't, I don't live too far from Fishers. Where do you want to meet? I'm gonna call you a coward in front of your wife and your kids. Holy crap! I, what is the point? What is the value of a supermajority if they will not stand up? Well, we didn't. We didn't want to have anybody else's outside uh, influence. We wanted this to be our own. You took the definition from 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 the group. You took the definition from the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. But then you got some pushback and you said, well, we can't have it. So so you think you came up with your own? You came up with nothing. You came up with nothing. Absolutely nothing and i understand why there are uh jewish leaders quote unquote feel the air quotes uh who are like yeah this is this is a bunch of bunk and uh and and i think they're right i think they're right to say this is just despicable my arguments haven't changed i was still opposed to the legislation Cause I'm opposed to where it leads down on the slippery slope and I, and I, I could defend it. And I've defended against Jews. I'll defend it against anyone, but Holy hell, man. And by the way, representative Jeter, I, you know, I, 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 you're, you're in this article. I had the quote from you. I meant every word I said, but I also say that about any other member of the general assembly who's okay with this and, and, and voted to change the definition cowards and i'll say so in front of you, in front of anyone i i will i absolutely mean that i'm telling you i don't understand the point of having a supermajority. i don't know what the supermajority brings us i don't know why we're better off i don't i don't because it keeps progressives at bay all right so i just accept nonsense from these people because it's better than the nonsense from those people dear goodness i'm tony katz this
1: That uh, Yolanda is going to,
0: she's going to continue to fight me out of the way. Not letting up. That's Joe Biden talking about meeting with Alexei Navalny's wife. Called her Yolanda. Her name is Yulia. It's just classic Joe Biden, don't you think? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? You can't say, oh, it's a hard name. Who would have remembered it? He remembered Yolanda and not Yulia. Okay, it's not like he called her Susie, Jill. He didn't call her Jill, Yolanda, instead of Yulia. And when it happens all the time, because it happens all the time, can't we at this stage just say, all right, this guy's got problems. But as I've been sharing uh, that audio from voters in Michigan, oh, they're not going to vote for Biden why? Because all them Israelis. He, Biden is losing the vote from the people who know he's too old, but losing the vote from the people uh, because of the border, and now losing the vote uh, of Dearborn because he won't kill more Jews. There's no way this guy is on the ticket. Right? There's just no way possible. There's no path. No, no path for Nikki Haley no path for Joe unless of course you think somehow in, on, the, on the very top of the food chain there in the Democratic Party that there is one well, that's a that's a story to discuss find everything at com. this is Tony Katz today
1: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up
0: I never change in the concept that the border is the most important story in America, because it is. The border is the most important story in America, and the reason I say so is not to say that other things aren't important. It's that when we talk about the economy, the border is front and center. When we talk about national security, the border is front and center. When we talk about culture and the American way of life, the border is front and center. Well, some things aren't happening across the southern border or even across the northern border. Some things are happening with the open arms of mayors and city councils all across the country. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. There's a group called the United States Heartland China Association. They say that their mission is to build bridges and promote opportunities between U.S. officials and businesses in the Midwest and China. But we have seen things like this happen and that involved a potential Chinese spy named Fang Fang and Congressman Eric Swalwell and Lord only knows what happened there. Can anybody actually trust that the objective is business and not infiltration? Congressman Jim Banks joins me right now of the Indiana 3rd District, also a candidate, Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. You have been front and center on this, starting with where I live carmel indiana and asking the question why is carmel why do they have this association with china and your question led to uh, the mayor of carmel the newly elected mayor sue finkham looking at this ending that relationship the previous mayor mayor jim brainerd very unhappy with you and the allegation that somehow he was cozying up to china how did this come to your attention and what is it that you have been saying
2: well, Tony, this all started with a, a Washington Post story on January 30th. And I understand Mayor Brainerd, the former mayor Carmel, is upset with me because I've I've raised uh, this uh, uh, cozy trip uh, where he was wined and dined in China. Um, I, I understand he's upset about this. He's, he's threatened to sue me because I've talked about what he was doing on the trip. I say bring it on because... The opening paragraph of this Washington Post story says this, Tony. It says When mayors from cities including Carmel, Indiana, and Oxford, Mississippi went to China recently, they were feeded in ways big and small. They test drove the newest electric vehicle models, some with seats that doubled as massage chairs. They were hosted by a deputy provincial governor and treated to aged Mao Tai, Mao Zedong's favorite liquor from one of Chinese officials' private collections. So um, I understand Mayor Brainerd's upset that he's been exposed, but this is in the Washington Post. I applaud Mayor Sue Finkham for getting Carmel taxpayers out of a deal where they were spending $25,000 a year to be a part of something called the U.S. Heartland China Association, which Mayor Brainerd was funneling money to. By the way, that's the group that paid for this uh, trip to send him to, to China in the final days of his time as mayor of Carmel. It was a $25,000 a year contract that Carmel was paying to be a part of this group. Brainerd was vice chair of the group. And what we know about the group through the FBI and other channels is that it's a part of something called the United Front, which is a, a, a part of it, it has official ties to the Chinese communist party. And in this case, the uh, the the U.S. Heartland China Association specifically targets local elected officials uh, like like useful idiots like Jim Brainerd in the mi- in the Midwest in cities like Carmel to bring them to China to cozy up to them so they'll make good deals and help them pump their propaganda into the United States of America. Now so let me good, hold good up, on. Let's, let's hold fingers. up right there just Forgetting for a second
0: talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, I want to make sure we understand how this works. So you have got this organization, the United States Heartland China Association. They are connected to something called the UFWD, the United Front Work Department, which is part of the Communist Chinese Party, as described in the reporting by the Daily Caller as a Chinese intelligence uh, service responsible for coordinating influence operations. Describe to us what these influence operations look like, and how do they work through small and mid-sized towns in the Midwest?
2: Yeah, this is the interesting part about the Washington Post story. And anyone listening to, this, to our interview right now, Tony, they should go to the Washington Post, January 30th. The story is all about how, as Washington cracks down on China, the Chinese Communist Party is targeting useful idiots in small towns and cities, mayors, local elected officials, state legislators instead of targeting um, members of Congress like myself and others in Washington who are, who have been more awakened to the threat. So why do they do that? They do that in this case uh, to like, look at economic development deals where they might uh, give away the, where where a city like Carmel got, this won't happen on Sue Finkham's watch, but under the former mayor, give give away a lot of economic development incentives to a Chinese company to come and, and locate in your city. Or or even worse, the, as the FBI has flagged, these types of United Front f- efforts can be used for espionage to spy on the United States. And we see that you, the United Front also is the parent of Confucius Institutes and, and organizes Confucius Institutes on college campuses to pump out pro-China propaganda. So you ask, why, why would they do that? Well, right now, moving through the Indiana State Legislature is a really good bill that would ban uh, the Chinese from buying farmland in Indiana. Well, guess who opposes that? The U.S. Heartland China Association opposes bills as state houses like in Indiana to ban uh, China from buying one of our most critical assets, that being our farmland. So why, why would Jim Brander go along with that? I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the question that hasn't been answered. But, but at least for now, we know that Sue Finkham has ended this $25,000 a year taxpayer funded boondoggle contract that awards our biggest enemy rather than holds them accountable for what they've done to the United States of America
0: talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. You talk about uh, Indiana, and there are other states that have been working against having uh, Chinese-purchased land. We're talking about Chinese nationals, people associated with the Communist Chinese Party, not people who are of Chinese descent, who are Americans. A very different conversation altogether. But when we talk about the, this level of influence, and you and I have discussed the Confucius Institutes, and as we go back a few years on this subject, with you working to push them out of college campuses, it's clear and obvious that this is happening. It is clear and obvious that China is trying to do this. On a federal level, why do we allow this to continue?
2: Well, we're, you know, there are many efforts to crack down on it. And I've, I've authored several bills to ban banning Confucius Institutes. By the way, my alma mater, Indiana University, um, ended their Confucius Institute contract a few years ago because of efforts that that we made to uh, highlight how dangerous those are on college campuses. These sister cities programs are another effort by the United Front that that cities from Fort Wayne to Indianapolis. A lot of cities in Indiana have these agreements, and, and then you then you find out you, the the further you go, the more you pull the thread, you find out there are groups like this U.S. Heartland. China Association, the cities like Carmel used to be paying money to be a part of. So what we, have to, what we have to do, Tony, is be awakened to it, be awakened to the threat, how the Chinese Communist Party, our biggest adversary around the world, plays this game. They're, they're flooding our country with fentanyl. They're responsible for COVID. They were never held accountable for it. They're stealing our trade secrets, our intellectual property. They're stealing our military secrets. They are the biggest threat to our country. We shouldn't be cozy with them. We should be holding them accountable. And these types of sinister espionage efforts are an example of how that works. The, the Trump administration was very tough on programs like these. And for the first time in my lifetime, cracked down on them. We now have an administration that has a much weaker posture toward the Chinese Communist Party. And I think that'll be one of the big subjects that gets debated as we head into the November elections, what kind of President, should we have one that's tough on China or one that's cozy on them? And you know where I stand on that.
0: When we discuss the threat that, that is uh, China we still see that they are working towards level of advance. Now, they have their own issues. If we're going to talk about China in a geopolitical sense, they have a population that is going to start imploding uh, on them. We're talking about just by sheer age and inability to replace people. We're talking about uh, losing 600 to 800 million in population over the next 100 years. They have an economic reality happening to them because of their lockdown policies. They have slowdowns going on. Uh, recession, if not depression happening. They lie about any GDP number that has value, but they still are a serious threat to Taiwan. I I believe the term would be existential threat. And it is very obvious that they are playing this game of how much influence can we exert? How much pain can we provide? How can we, before it's too late for us, destroy what we could describe as an enemy, but really those in the way of them achieving a level of power so they can work their way through the next hundred years that aren't from a, from a uh, demographic standpoint, doesn't work for them at all. Is China more of a threat now because, well, the proverbial backed into a corner has taken place?
2: Yeah, you know, one thing that Mayor Brainerd, the former Mayor Carmel said that's actually true is that the United States and China have the two largest economies in the world, and our economies are entangled with each other. Now, his his uh, response to all of this is that we should further cozy up to them and give away the farm. I, I believe, Tony, I, I, you might be right. I mean, their their population declines um, uh, will will undo their uh, their their strength and their economy, their GDP. But America should be looking at this as a moment of opportunity to disentangle ourselves. I mean, China has stolen our manufacturing jobs. We should be restoring our good-paying manufacturing jobs and our supply chains in the United States of America and become less dependent on China. And that's what—that's why we set up the, the new China committee in the House that I'm a part of, that we're, where we're focused on that. What does that look like? How do we incentivize U.S. companies to bring jobs back to the U.S. and get out of China. And, and on top of that, hold China accountable for what they've done to the United States. That, that's, what our, that's what our whole committee is about. Also, yesterday, I wrote a letter to Merrick Garland, the the attorney general, about this uh, U.S. Heartland China Association and uh, to draw more attention to it. I, I don't know if this administration is serious about doing that or not, but I'm going to hold them accountable for it and, and highlight sinister efforts like this. That are a direct threat to not just the United States, but to Indiana, to the to the Midwest, to to our way of life, our economy, and uh, and, and call on the call on the, uh, the the Justice Department to crack down on on uh, United Front efforts like this group that, that Jim Brander is the vice chairman of.
0: In in Congress, uh, clearly there are Democrats who understand the threat that is China. Have you found people? willing to work with you on these subjects that you're talking about what's happening in the heartland have, have you found Democrats in, in Midwest States who agree with you and, and want to work to put an end to this level of, of influence peddling by the communist Chinese party.
2: Yeah, I, honestly, yes. Uh, you know, the, 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 China committee is a bipartisan committee and the, the Democrat uh, ranking member of the committee is from Chicago uh, and he's, and he's strong on these issues. So, and, and, and there are others on the committee from to different degrees who are serious about the China threat, too. But, you know, this is a, this is a Wall Street corporate America issue. And, it, and it, unfortunately, there are Republicans that get trapped in this, just like, like uh, more and more so the Democrats who are beholden to Wall Street, multinational uh, corporate uh, interests who fund, largely fund the Democrat Party today and, and Joe Biden's campaign. That are in, that are so entangled with those economic interests in China that that they uh, they can't uh, afford to push back on it without alienating their biggest donors. And there are a lot of you know Wall, Wall Street uh, owned, uh, corporate backed uh, Republicans that fall into that same camp, Tony. But more and more of us are pushing back and fighting back as we recognize that this is a direct threat. China is is the biggest threat to our American way of life, and they've made it very well known that they're. The Chinese Communist Party's number one goal is to dominate the United States of America and rule us under their thumb like they have Hong Kong, like they have through their Belt and Road Initiative, their debt trap diplomacy efforts, countries all over the world. That's what they want to do. They want to wipe America out and become the, the, uh, the world leader on many fronts, and that would be a direct threat to my kids' way of life. I'm not going to go along with that. I'm going to push back on it with everything I've got uh, for every day that I have left as a member of Congress.
0: Congressman Jim Banks, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. The full interview and, and both parts of it, including our conversation regarding the discharge petition and the southern border, it'll be available uh, on, on the podcast. You can get that wherever you get, you know, your podcast. It's on it's on all of them. Just look up Tony Katz today. Sometimes you have to look up Tony Katz in the morning news because I do a morning show as well. Uh, it's it's there. It's there and it'll be there for you. And, of course, find everything going on at Tony Katz Dot com. Would love it if you became a supporter. Would greatly, greatly appreciate it. This is Tony Katz.
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Today They're saying 60% of Americans are saying Donald Trump's too old and Joe Biden's too old to be president. You look at the military, they cap retirement at 65. You look at pilots, they cap retirement at 65. We've got a lot to fix in this country. We need someone who can work eight years straight of hard work, day and night, fully disciplined, with no drama, no vendettas, just results for the American people. That's what's at stake here. And I'm going to continue to stay in and tell people this as long as I possibly can.
0: So the trust, you can tell them all you want ambassador haley no number in south carolina gives you a win and for you to be able to advance in a way that tells a story you would have to clear double digits meaning you're down by 25 you would have to be only down by nine you have to get within single digits to consider it which means you have to outperform by double digits i don't see where this happens tony katz Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything uh, at TonyKatz.com. Now, this is all about primaries. In a general, the data shows that she beats Biden handily. And and just uh, to to placate an argument, I shouldn't say placate, to respond to an argument, because uh, producer Carl, he makes the point that if Biden isn't the nominee, it doesn't matter that Haley beats Biden, because whoever the nominee is, she'll have a much harder time against I would argue that goes double for Donald Trump, doesn't it? If Trump barely beats Biden in the head-to-head polling right now and Haley just abolishes Biden, then if Haley now against some other Democrat has it tougher, Trump would have it as an impossibility. I think that's an acceptable argument. But neither here nor there on any part of it, Haley has not made an argument that convinces a single member of the base looking to vote in South Carolina. And I will admit it is ridiculous when I see people say, well, Nikki Haley's basically basically a democrat, but somehow Tulsi Gabbard, she is a hard-fast true conservative Republican. No, no she's not. Come on. Can we just just a little bit of focus? Just a boy looking for some people to be honest. Holy cow. Uh, The uh, primary uh, is uh, on Saturday. We will be watching. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.